0: The Active Worship Podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Thank you for joining me today, continuing through the Psalm Project. And we are here in, in the 105th Psalm. Um, 106 will end the fourth book. And then in 107, we will start the fifth book, the final book in the original Psalter. And so here we are in Psalm 105. I will go ahead and tell you that the next three. Uh, 105, 106, and 107 are all quite lengthy, and there is a lot to discuss in these, so the musical settings, expectedly, will be longer. Um, I I usually try to set these songs in a hymnic fashion, and uh, that's what I've done with 105 and 106, Um, but... Because of that, they include and they're comprised of several stanzas, uh, more than would normally appear in a hymn, um, a a normal hymn. And so they are quite lengthy. Uh, Psalm 105, while Psalm 104 that I just went over recently, praises God and his acts in creating the world, and remember it goes through the account of creation, This song here in 105, by the way, which is not attributed to any particular author, this song meditates uh, meditates on his acts in the world's continuing history. And it recounts specific events in history. And Psalm 106 does the same thing as well. So the first 15 verses of Psalm 105 are quoted along with Psalm Psalm 96 and Psalm 106 that we will go over uh, soon. These are all quoted in 1 Chronicles 16, which perhaps indicates use of Psalm 105 in the public worship of Israel. So, there are 45 verses, so let me get into this, let me read it, and then we will break it down a little bit. O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When they were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in it. Wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. When he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of him, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put in a collar of iron, until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions, to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, And the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark. They did not rebel against his words. He turned their waters into blood and caused their fish to die. "'Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. "'He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. "'He gave them hail for rain and fiery lightning bolts through their land. "'He struck down their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. "'He spoke, and the locusts came, young locusts without number, "'which devoured all the vegetation in their land and ate up the fruit of their ground.' He struck down all the firstborn in their land, the firstfruits of all their strength. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold, and there was none among his tribes who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed, for dread of them had fallen upon it. He spread a cloud for a covering, and fire to give light by night. They asked, and he brought quail, and gave them bread from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river. For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. And he gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the fruit of the people's toil that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. So there's a lot here, obviously recalling actual events that happened in history. These plagues, people who tried to deny the accounts of scripture, there are extra-biblical accounts of these plagues that happened in the land of Egypt. He's obviously referring to the Exodus when Moses um, was called by God to free the people of Israel. So let's look at a few things in this psalm that stand out to me. Uh, Right there at the beginning in verse 1, that's the first thing that stands out to me when he says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. I'm reminded that Israel cannot hide its light Under a basket, according to Matthew 5, 5. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. The same is true with those that are the people of God. We cannot hide the light of God. True people of God gladly bear witness to God's grace throughout the world. And so, uh, this sets up the psalm. Make known his deeds among the peoples. And obviously, that's exactly what the psalmist does here. He recounts and recalls and declares the deeds of God. And then he says in verse 2 Tell of all his wondrous works. A little bit hyperbolic there, because we truly cannot tell all of the wondrous works of God. But as many as we can, we should tell. Those acts of grace and judgment that God performs in history, not just for us, but for people before us, because we're, we're part of the same family. God enters history and acts graciously on behalf of his people, remarkably so in the life, death, and the resurrection, and the ascension, uh, the ascension of Jesus Christ. Verse 4. Seek his presence continually. In other words, seek to live in his presence. The psalmist often testifies of the horror that is associated with the withdrawal of God's uh, friendship. I'm reminded of Psalm uh, 22.1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? And Jesus himself uttered those same words on the cross. Verse 5, remember the wondrous works that he has done. Remembering God's works is more than recalling what they were. It means reacting with faith and obedience to what they mean. There is a, um, a significant enough debate uh, re- surrounding the Lord's table over what the command means when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Is remembrance a mere mental recollection of, Or is it something that happens internally? In other words, you live within the reality of that truth. Um, So so in other words, the way you would word it is, is the Lord's table remembrance or is it anamnesis? Anamnesis involves an involvement with the divine. And I believe it is anamnesis. And so the the command when Jesus says to do this in remembrance of me is a command to take part in anamnesis, a part to live in the reality of the truth that he teaches. And so here when the psalmist says, remember the wondrous works that he has done, he's not just talking about mentally recalling what is going on or what God has done, but living And reacting with the faith that not only has he done that, but he will continue to do that. He will continue to work and move in the lives of his people. And then in verse 8, speaking of God, the psalmist says he remembers his covenant forever. Once again, just like verse 5, remembrance involves doing as well as knowing. And in this case, God acts in the present based on the promises he has given to Abraham. And it's speaking specifically here of the covenant of God. If you know me and have heard me speak in any sort of form, you've heard me mention covenant, covenant theology before. It says here in verse 8, he remembers his covenant forever. The specific covenant here is the Abrahamic covenant that you can find in Genesis 12, also in Genesis 15 and 17. Verse 9. So he speaks of what he, the covenant that he's made with Abraham and he says his sworn promise to Isaac. And then in verse 10, which he confirmed to Jacob. In other words, he made the covenant with Abraham and then he renews it or confirms it with Isaac and with Jacob. He reaffirmed his covenant relationship with the descendants of Abraham. Listen to this in Genesis 26, 3. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. Verse 11. He continues speaking of the covenant, and he says, To you I will give you the land of Canaan. You see this in Genesis 15, verses 17 through 20. Um, And in in verse 18, it says, uh, To your offspring I give this land from the river Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Canaanites, the Kenizzites, and the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Rephaim. And so God is promising Abraham that he will give him these lands and then carrying that covenant through To Abraham's descendants. Uh, All of those lands that are mentioned is the land of Canaan. And God promised Abraham, I will give you this land. That is the land of Canaan. Verse 12, when they were few in number of little account, speaking of Abraham and his family, and sojourners in it. So the sojourners He's talking about the patriarchs, not just Abraham, but Isaac and Jacob as well, because they were still few in number. But Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived in the promised land as resident aliens. They wandered from place to place in Canaan before it was really truly given to them. Keep that in mind when you're talking about the promises of God, that if God has promised something, Uh, Keep in mind of when that promise might happen. You might not see it come to fruition. That does not mean God has broken his promise. That means you are a part of a bigger picture, and we need to always see that. This psalm speaks of Joseph. We'll get into that in a little bit, but Joseph was part of a bigger picture. Verse 14. He rebuked kings on their account. In other words, when Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were nothing, literal kings were rebuked on the account of them. One such case is uh, Genesis 12 uh, verses 10 through 20. And it speaks of the Lord afflicting Pharaoh and his house with plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And so God rebuked these kings, or the Pharaoh, if you will, on behalf of Abraham and Sarah. Another lesson to us not to touch the anointed of God, because there certainly are consequences. Verse 15. This speaks of the consequences. God says, Touch not my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Abraham is referred to as a prophet in Genesis 20 verses 16 through 22, this gives the account of Joseph. God promoted Joseph to a position of power in Egypt. What's interesting about that account in the book of Genesis is that the the story of Joseph takes up so many chapters, and yet Joseph is not the point of the story. We often try to make him the point, but Joseph is not the point. Keep in mind, in Genesis 3.15, God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and her seed will crush your head. That is speaking of and foreshadowing the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Women do not have seed, but that is telling what will eventually come, that the, the Messiah will come through a virgin's womb and will ultimately crush the head of evil. And so that sets up the story of how God would redeem his people. But all throughout scripture, you see Satan trying to thwart that plan. You see Cain killing Abel. But Adam and Eve had another son, Seth. And the lineage was continued through Seth. You have Abraham. God continues to renew his covenants. You have Joseph. Joseph is sold into slavery. And you might think, well, okay, that's the link. That's the chosen one. He's not the chosen one, but he is a chosen one. You might think, well, Joseph is the one chosen. No, but through Joseph, the chosen one would be saved. Now, who was the chosen one? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And you have Jacob's sons. He had 12 sons. The chosen one was Judah. And he is obviously not the ultimate chosen one, because that would be Jesus Christ centuries later. But Judah is the one through whom the lineage would continue to the Messiah. So what's the point of Joseph? Joseph is placed in a position of power to save Judah, to save the chosen seed, to continue the lineage to the Messiah, During a time when there was famine, when there was no food, Joseph was in a position where he, he could save them. So even though Joseph takes up the majority of the story in Genesis and we barely hear anything about Judah, Joseph was not the point. Judah was the point. So when you are serving God, and I'm guilty of this as much as anyone, and you think, what am I doing? This is pointless. I'm not preaching to thousands of people. I'm writing these songs that no one is hearing. I'm, I've got this podcast going. I get like five to ten listeners each week. man, this is pointless. this is nothing. You could be a you could be a Judah, not a Joseph. You might be the one that through your work, God uses in mighty ways, even more so than he would have if you were a Joseph. Which one was more important? I wouldn't say they were. one was more important than the other, but which one had a bigger task, really? Judah. The Messiah would come through him. And so this psalm, this, this psalm here, Psalm 105, discusses what happened with jo- Joseph in this account. Psalm, uh, psalm 105, 16 through 22 discusses God uh, promoting Joseph to a position of power. Then in verse 16, when he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread. In other words, the famine on the land that was necessary for Joseph to save the life of Judah, this famine was directed by God. So that when the famine threatened the country, Joseph was in power and able to save many people we see that in in uh, Genesis 50:20 where it says as as for you you meant evil against me but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today verse 23 it continues and it says then is so it's gone through the story the account of Joseph and then it says and then Israel came to Egypt Jacob's sojourn in the in the land of Ham Uh, So when it's using the word Israel here, it is talking about Jacob, not the nation of Israel, but Jacob himself. That is another name for Jacob. And you can read of this account in Genesis 46 when Joseph brings his family, the family of Israel or Jacob, to Egypt. The land of Ham, that is another name for Egypt. And you see that in this psalm quite often, the land of Ham You'll see it some in Psalm uh, 106. uh, When it's saying the land of Ham, that is talking about uh, Egypt. And then in verse 28, he sent darkness and made the land dark. So the psalmist here emphasizes the ninth plague by naming it first. And then in verse 31, he spoke and there came swarms of flies and gnats these are the third and the fourth plagues in reverse order of their actual occurrence in Egypt. Verse 32, he gave them hail for rain and fiery lightning bolts through their land. This is the fifth and the sixth plagues, and, and they are unmentioned. Uh, the, well, the fifth and the sixth plagues are unmentioned by the psalmist. This plague of hail was the seventh. So we've gone from, four, uh, from uh, uh, the, the third and the fourth plagues... Of the flies and the gnats, skipped the fifth and the sixth plagues. They're unmentioned here. And we've gone straight to the seventh, where he mentions hail. And then in verse 36, and this is the one that most people would remember, he struck down all the firstborn in their land, the tenth and the final plague after which Egypt allowed Israel to leave. Verse 37. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold. So God's great mercy and generosity is seen here. They were a slave nation, and Israel had little to call their own. But through the plagues, God struck fear into the hearts of the Egyptians so that they not only let Israel go, but were willing to hand over their valuables to encourage Israel's exodus. And you see this in Exodus 12, verses 33 through 36. Uh, in verse thirty-five, it says the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. In other words, we don't want you to just leave, but we will give you whatever you want to. Leave. You know, it's it's kind of one of the one of those jokes that somebody might jokingly say, you know what, I will pay you not to work here. (laughs) That type of thing. Egypt is saying, you know, we'll give you the silver and the gold, whatever you want, just get out of here. We don't want you here. Then in verse 40, they asked and he brought quail and gave them bread from heaven in abundance. That's manna. God's provisional, uh, his provisional mercy here goes beyond bringing them out of Egypt. He provided for them in the wilderness by giving them food and drink. Verse 42, For he remembered his holy promise at Abraham, his service. The Abrahamic covenant included the promises that God would make Israel a great nation. Genesis twelve two. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And in verse 45, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. The covenant relationship between God and his people is established and maintained by God alone as his work of grace. And so his people, all of humanity really, are responsible to reciprocate not merely in formal observance of particular commands, but appropriately with all their being. I'm reminded of Mark 12, and and Jesus quotes the greatest commandment, which is not go and preach on and teach on nations. It is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that's the reason God redeemed his people here out of Egypt. So Psalm 105 recalls the works of God uh, specifically in the Exodus, and really it, it, it recounts centuries of israeli history of the people of god not just one specific act but it it really shows the overarching narrative of how god moved in the lives of his people and how he protected his people and kept his covenant with abraham and renewed it with his people throughout history um Psalm 105 is a hymnic setting. It is very simple. Uh, and as I mentioned, it is lengthy. And sometimes lengthy uh, psalms and hymns, it is best to just have a simple setting of it. So the stanzas are quite simple, but they are long. So without anything further, here is Psalm 105 set to music. Thank you for listening today to the Active Worship Podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.
1: let His mouth His miracles Each one oh, you The seed Of Abraham God's servant You His sons And all whose sons Of Jacob Are His own His choice His judgments fill the land He keeps in mind His covenant That it may always stand God's covenant Forever stands His word shall end and hey. Broke the staff of bread, and Joseph, though sold as a slave, he thus sit on a head. They bound his feet in iron chains and fetters he. I tested him until it was fulfilled. The king ruled, the people sent to loosen, set him free. He made him lord of all his house to rule his pride. of power to bind the princes of the land that he might make his elders wise that they would understand Then Israel came to Egypt's land when Jacob jerked Settled in the land of Ham, the Lord his people blessed. He made them stronger than their foes, whose hearts he filled. His servants trick and bait. He sent his servant. Out their country came. He gave them hail instead of rain. The land with lightning flashed. He struck their fig trees and their vines. By him their trees were slashed. Spoken countless locusts came, their fruits and leaves deep. silver and with gold, and there was none among his tribes who stumbled young or old. my day